Welcome to week two of Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I am Brian Fenley. You can hang out with us on social media. For Nick, it's N-K-O-O-P. I'm at Brian Fenley. Our show has its own Twitter handle. Yeah, we've made it in the world. It's Locked On Bruins. And if you have any questions or comments or want to chime in, feel free to do so via email at LockedOnBruins at Gmail. And also, we kindly invite you to subscribe Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get this, please subscribe so that you can get this show every single day. 24 days, speaking of days, until kickoff for Bruin football at Cincinnati. And the playbook for today is going to consist in large part untangling the latest injury status of Joshua Kelly, the darling running back, the all-around optimist for UCLA football who is expected to be the first stringer. So we will get into his status, plus a comprehensive look at UCLA's defensive backs. Yeah, they've had some departures, Darius Pickett being one of them, the team's leading tackler from a year ago. But Nick, it seems to me this is a unit that does bring a lot of experience and could be one of the more talented position groups on the team. Yeah, I think it's telling, really, that I think this is really the only position group that we haven't really gotten into much. And I think that's maybe a good sign because things kind of seem set there, at least at the top. So I'm excited to kind of examine that a little bit more. We will get to that in a few moments. But first, we are going to concentrate on Joshua Kelly. Now, as of last Thursday, reports came out that Kelly was not a full participant at practice. Chip Kelly did not have the obligation to talk to the media until yesterday, Sunday. So after hearing that Joshua Kelly was potentially injured, we weren't able to get a verdict on how severe it was until Sunday. And that gave the media, that gave fans a few days to it's sometimes the, the what if scenario, worst case scenario. You, 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 it, when something is that big, a player so important to a team or, or anything in life that is so pressing and you have to wait a few days, it's very distressing. But there is some good news coming out of this in that Kelly, Chip Kelly, Sunday morning said that, look, it's not a big deal. Joshua Kelly got his knee banged up a bit. He's considered day-to-day, and that all the rumblings about this being something significant, something severe, something to worry about, you can cancel all of that out. Yeah, you said should be back in a couple days, said it wasn't serious, Uh, so those are good things right there. Day-to-day is always kind of an interesting uh, phrase that Chip Kelly uses because you're either day-to-day or you're out. So the, it, it could mean, <laughs> it could mean a couple days. It could mean many days. And he had a, a brace on his knee on Sunday, seemed to have a little bit of a limp. Uh, so I, I would figure that given how important he is to this team, that they're going to take things very cautiously and play things pretty safe here, at least over the next couple weeks until you really get further into fall camp and get closer towards the start of the regular season he's just too important to this team and yeah it was really something kind of finding out friday it was like uh uh-oh 
and then you have to wait about 48 hours to really find out what was going on and kind of interesting you know the day after we say hey let's let's look at some of the running backs behind joshua kelly and and lo and behold that some of that kind of comes to the forefront over the weekend yes and of all those running backs behind joshua kelly they saw a lot of them saw the field last year nick but there wasn't a lot of productivity so you had casimir allen you had martel irby but Correct me if I'm wrong, but neither one of those guys rushed for more than 200 yards on the season, if I'm not mistaken. So there is an onus on advancing the second string, the third stringers to get more reps because you never know what could happen. And Joshua Kelly, when you look at his running style, he considers himself kind of like the change of pace type of back. He's shifty. Speed is one of his strengths, and he's a one kind of cut type of guy. He is one of the many different stylistic, or, or shall I say different styles of running backs that are on this unit. But again, you think about how valuable he is, and just a collective sigh of relief from Bruin Nation to learn that when we heard the the latest on Joshua Kelly, that he wasn't taking part in all the drills and we expected the worst that we can all just calm down because it's not as bad as our minds can sometimes lead us to believe. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I was thinking back to when we were talking about all, all the other running backs behind him. And as we were recording the podcast, I had a thought that I didn't say, I didn't want anyone to, take me as a jinx but you know i'm thinking you know the bruins outside of the linebacker position last year were pretty lucky in terms of health a couple things here or there but nothing real crazy outside of that linebacker spot and i was thinking to myself like you know you can't just assume that everything's going to be great again for joshua kelly the full season and so like he ran the ball a lot last year and i'm and I thought, you know, you want to be ready. You want to have these guys ready to go in case something were to happen. And so you're seeing now that, uh, you know, Chip Kelly said that Deshaun Foster, the running backs coach, you know, everybody is getting reps. It's not just Irby, Allen, and Jones, but even those guys behind them trying to figure out, you know, who is going to be those primary options, that the, the, those second, third, and fourth options uh, behind Joshua Kelly when he's ready to come back. He comes from UC Davis, where that was the only scholarship he received out of high school. Then the whole coaching staff with the Aggies gets fired, and then he felt, you know, I don't think I'm needed here. They're not going to use me appropriately. So he wanted to transfer. Now, the only schools that he had permission to contact were UCLA and USC. And how persistent he was in getting a hold of the UCLA football department from constant calls to the front desk of the UCLA football department saying, Hey, can you transfer me over to running backs coach Deshaun Foster? And a lot of times he wouldn't get an answer or to voicemail and he stayed on Foster and then Foster relented and they started this communication and it took 
weeks and months just to get these two to communicate and just an amazing example of how perseverance can lead you to where you want to go because at that point they developed a relationship foster and joshua kelly and all of a sudden kelly was offered a a walk-on opportunity and we occasionally will get this negative stigma from what a walk-on really is but it it, nick i wanted to ask you about this a walk-on under chip kelly's regime is not your typical walk-on and what i mean by that is that players look at a walk-on and coach kelly has said this as well when we look at walk-ons we want guys who can play like we're not trying to bring on rudy from that great movie you know who was a joe six-pack a 511 just to show up and wear a uniform or you know maybe even air bud like they really want players who they can use and one of the walk-ons greg dulcich even said that they treat us the same as scholarship kids and how refreshing that must be where you feel included you feel wanted and then one day or another like joshua kelly they're going to use you yeah you know it's an opportunity being a walk-on it's not a you know, a, a death sentence or anything, you know, okay, you're on a team, you know, have fun sort of thing. No, it's an opportunity. You will have an opportunity, you know, you're going to be on scout team. And then maybe, you know, you do well there. Oh, look, you're an injury away. Suddenly you're in the two deep and Hey, our guy's tight. You need to go in. We're ready for you. You know, it, it does not take much for a walk on to get involved, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, when you've got a program that's rebuilding in its second year under Chip Kelly, all these young guys, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for walk-on and Joshua Kelly, a guy who was able to take advantage of that. The Athletic did an incredible profile piece on Joshua Kelly, and it interviewed Josh and his mom, and it described the situation when Josh was going to his mom and saying, mom, look, I don't think UC Davis is for me. And he expected her to be uneasy about it because she's like, well, look, son, I mean, you have a full scholarship to UC Davis. You're doing well and you're going to risk that for maybe a walk-on situation. You really don't know if you're ever going to play again to, to have a mother who believes in her son and says, look, Josh, if this is what you want to do, if you want to bypass this comfort, this scholarship that you might have at UC Davis, take a risk and see what happens at UCLA. I'm all for it. And then to have him have her confidence in him and then to have his own belief in himself to not only get the walk on, but then be offered the scholarship last season. I can't even, Nick, imagine just how special and how exuberant he must have felt inside seeing him take such a crazy risk and it for, for it to pay off for himself. 
Well, knowing Joshua Kelly now, it's not really all that surprising to kind of hear of his journey to get to UCLA and become a scholarship. It, it makes all the sense in the world that a guy like him would take that risk and take that chance because he wants to be better. He, he has to be better. And for him to come back his senior year, he said, look, quote, I know deep down I'm probably not the most talented guy, but I know that I can outwork people and work really hard, and it's going to get me places. Nick, you just hit upon that, and that is the mantra, the motto that's been fueling Joshua Kelly to new heights and continues to put him in situations where he over does people's expectations of him and you can't quantify him oh he was a two-star in high school he's only going to be this or he only has this level where he can reach and this is where his ceiling is no you cannot quantify him based on his personality based on his drive as a typical recruit who is a two-star and is going to end up like this and that is what makes him so special as a human being, not, you know, it goes without saying as a football player too. We transition into our next topic, which we're going to discuss, discuss in just a moment. The team's leading tackler from a year ago, Darius Pickett, he graduated, he's on to the NFL. So when we come back, we are going to discuss who will fill the void as safety and also, we will take you on a merry-go-round look at the complete picture of UCLA secondary. That's coming up next on Locked On Bruins. Second segment here for Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. You can connect with us on Twitter for Nick, N-K-O-O-P. I'm at Brian Fenley. Our Twitter handle is Locked On Bruins. Give that a follow. We're building that. And it's growing exponentially. And if you have a comment on anything we say or you want to chip in or you've got a question or you want a question to, to be asked, we are here for you. And we invite you kindly to send us an email, LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe, whether you listen to us via Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Second segment centering our attention on UCLA secondary and a key cog in the defensive back world for UCLA last year was a Darius Pickett team leader with 123 tackles second team all pack 12 last year and then Nick you don't have Nate Metters and yeah Nate Metters last year as a senior struggled he gambled on himself by coming back as a senior didn't seem to fit very well under Chip Kelly's style, and we'll maybe get more into that later on in this segment. So what is your assessment on this secondary with Darius Pickett and Nate Metters moving on from their college game? Well, it's interesting. If you look at the raw numbers, you might think that you know UCLA's secondary, not that great. I mean, they numbers-wise, they did give up a lot of yards through the air, but as we've touched on and everybody knows, I think that has more to do with the pass rush than really the defensive back's ability. I think, you know, even the best secondaries in the country are going to get picked apart at times. 
if the quarterback's not disrupted and he has a clean pocket and can sit back there and see everything cleanly. So I don't think that that is too much cause for concern. You got three starters coming back. I mean, you've got Darnay Holmes. He's really, really stepped up last year and became that lockdown corner. Here's all he did last year. And I guess by all he did, I mean some of the highlights. 48 tackles, fifth on the team. Also led the team three interceptions, including the pick six against Arizona State. He forced two fumbles, including the chase down strip on J.J. Taylor against Arizona, which I went back and watched that play. In obviously the chase down is great. What's crazy is J.J. Taylor has a start. He's through the line. He's at the second level, running full speed, and he's at the UCLA 49-yard line, right? And then Darnay Holmes stops and plants at the exact same spot. So J.J. Taylor is already up to speed. Darnay Holmes is starting at zero, and he catches him in 49 yards to to save that touchdown. And then, don't forget, at the end of the year, the 93-yard kickoff return for touchdown against Stanford. And much of that isn't talking about how good he was in breaking up passes, being such an aggressive player, consistently going up against opposing teams' top receivers. Think about the guys he went against last year. Hollywood Brown, first-round pick. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, second-round pick. Nikhil Harry, first-round pick. It was crazy, all the guys he went up against. And, you know, knowing him, it's not surprising, but he's he's never deterred. He's confident in his abilities, and his speed is going to keep him close with any receiver, and he's so good at challenging without drawing many flags because his timing is so good. Go back and watch. You'll see opposing receivers call for penalties often, but his timing is so good that he's able to avoid it. Speaking of timing, it took him only two seasons to get his degree. We learned this this weekend, and just absolutely dedicated is Darnay Holmes from the perspective that, yeah, he came leading into his freshman year. He came in early and got started with his books and the curriculum, but he walked this past summer and he's just a true junior. I mean, that is absolutely insane. And Stephen Rourke, who does such a great job in communications, you know, he's seen this program and in, in, in where it's evolved for a long time. And he told Ben Bolch of the LA times that he doesn't recall another player ever doing this in such a short span. So Chip Kelly said, as far as Darnie Holmes, quote, he walks the walk. And that sounds like a cliche, and it is, and it is coach speak, but there really is no lie. This is as true to the book as that saying goes. It is Darnie Holmes. And all of his teammates look up to him so much. Also learned from Darnie Holmes, meditation is a big part of his routine growing up. He says that's a big thing, and it helps him get his mind right, become a visionary, and he's just so much more mature, Nick, than his age. He doesn't even know yet what he wants to study because he's still got some time in school, right, for 
perhaps graduate courses. He's got a little bit of time to, to weigh that, and he wasn't sure. But he majored in African-American studies in two seasons, and he's one of the best, if not the best, corner in college football. He's so talented academically and athletically, and just having those two characteristics at such a high level defines UCLA and what kind of person they want to represent their program. Yeah, I think the best word I can think to describe him is just determined. You know, there nothing's nothing's going to stop him, and it, and it's you know, and it it's not in a negative way to say that either. That nothing is going to stop him. It's just he is he is on a path. He is on a course. He sees the future. He has a vision. Like I've never experienced a more determined guy in in football and. And I believe it. I'm a believer. And it rubs off on everyone else, too. Everyone looks up to the guy. When we think about what he does, he'll be obviously a starting corner. Another starter, you you pointed this out, Nick, three returning starters. Quentin Lake at a safety position. Maybe you'll have Elijah Gates at another corner position as, as a returnee. The strong safety position that seems to be open because of Adarius Pickett graduating, and maybe there's the belief that Stephen Blaylock could enter the picture there as a starter. Maybe it's Mo Ostling the third, but Stephen Blaylock played right behind Adarius Pickett last year, and Stephen had said that Adarius was so instrumental in guiding him through the playbook and being really hands-on with him as to develop him so that he could become the next Adarius Pickett, which it's hard to get on Adarius's level based on how successful and how effective he was as a college football player, but to have a guy who's so willing to, to instruct others and build them up is super key. So maybe we see Stephen Blaylock at, as the starter at strong safety for the Bruins in 2019. Played a lot last year, some secondary, some in special teams. But no matter how you look at it, Nick, you pointed this out earlier. The team had its work cut out for them last year because of the lack of pass rush. It exposed and put so much pressure on the secondary. So with the defensive line improving and then building up experience. And they only, well, they had three true freshmen that saw the regular rotation last year. Those guys are getting older and that's just going to make the secondary look even better. And Quentin Lake, what a star he is. Yeah. So Quentin Lake entering his junior year. Now he had a couple picks last year, five passes defended. He was, he was just rock solid. And you remember who he took, over for Jaleel would do. I mean, not an easy guy to, to replace. And Lake just came in and performed so well, I think, consistently over the course of the season. I mean, he was right there with the Darius Pickett. They were so great on the back end. His instincts are so good. He, he's able to always get himself into a good position to make a play. But he's also aggressive at the same time, likes to go after people and just physically he is rock solid. I mean, you expect him to continue his progression into his junior year. And then Elijah Gates, the other returning starter, just a redshirt sophomore this year. 
another Pasadena kid, and he's had he had a really nice progression into the team. You know, he redshirted in 2017, and then early 2018 started to get some looks, and then his name Metters struggled a little bit. He got more opportunities and then started the last six games of the year. He's super fast, and he is going to be opposite uh, Darnay Holmes, it would seem, but I would expect him to take another big jump as he grows more comfortable uh, within the position. And then, yes, at the other safety spot, I think it's it's got to be Stephen Blaylock as the favorite. You know, he, he said that he really struggled just kind of just coming in to everything like any freshman would. You know, he's just trying to get his feet underneath him and feel good. But the team, the coaching staff, saw so much in him that he had that number two spot behind Darius Pickett as a true freshman. I think that says a lot about what the coaching staff thinks about him and how he projects this year and in future years. And Elijah Gates made this declaration during fall camp last week that UCLA can be the best defense in the nation. So you hear guys throw that around, but he said it was such gumption and was such confidence that Elijah Gates might be onto something. For him to be able to start side-by-side with Darnie Holmes has got to be extra special for them because they have known each other since they were infants. Six years old, they were playing Pop Warner together with the Pasadena Panthers. Yeah, and Holmes joked that Gates, when he was six years old, he was so raw, the only thing he could do was tackle by going for the legs. But these guys, they played football growing up baseball together they even ran track together and they from from childhood to now had put together this plan where they wanted to succeed together now i don't know about you nick but sometimes you know when i was young and i was i had a my best friend and we would be shooting hoops and i'd be like you know man let's one day you and i we're gonna make it to the nba yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's do it, right? So we all talk about that. But yeah, I think everyone people, has that moment with their best friend. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, and everybody listening, growing up, whatever sport you played, whoever you competed with or who was on your team, you had this feeling of like, you know, I'm going to make it all the way. But then there's that come to life moment where you're like, you know, the doctor said I was going to be 6'2". I ended up being 5'10 and a half. Then I developed a hitch in my jump shot. And then all those plans went away. But for a low of a percentage of people who make those proclamations, then to pull it off, just super cool for Elijah Gates and Darnay Holmes from six years old to map out this plan to now they're going to start as corners for UCLA this coming year. Yeah, so fun. And just knowing, I, I can't imagine being either Holmes or Gates, and you just look across the other side of the field, and you see your buddy there knowing that you guys made it and that you know, you're helping provide a super strong secondary for this team. Yeah, super, super cool. 
one thing I will mention is when Elijah Gates spoke to the media recently during fall camp, he was also asked about on top of the experience, the experienced players at secondary, who are some of the younger guys who seem to be making the most strides and the most growth. And he pointed out blatantly to, to Carl Jones and He's a six one. He's got some length, and that seems to be what Chip Kelly likes. See, Rashad Williams is another guy who could maybe see the field this year at the secondary, who has a six one, six two frame. But it seems like Carl Jones, according to Elijah Gates, is more or less a sleeper per se, who is really young, but could be thrust into a pretty big role this season. And if you Follow it all the recruiting wars that go on between colleges. He actually, Carl Jones, was committed to Colorado and then he flipped to UCLA. So keep an eye on Carl Jones. They say he's got a lot of speed. Elijah Gates also applauded him for just being obsessed with being in the film room and always asking questions and just being a sponge out there so all in all we could be in a situation where we see a carl jones we see a shamar mard we see a rashad williams play more than expected because like we saw last year nick some of those younger guys and not just at the secondary but in other positions were thrust into situations where they had to bear a lot more responsibility than maybe they were ready for at their stage of their young college careers. Yeah, so at the top of the the secondary, things look great, but I think just to build for the future, you do want to see some of these freshmen and redshirt freshmen get a little time and have some confidence out there. Not to look too far in the future, but you know, it bears keeping in mind when it gets to the end of the year. Darnay Holmes, Quentin Lake, depending on how their years go, they're juniors. They could declare early and then settle in. You got two big holes to fill. And then you've got a ton of young guys behind them you don't really know a whole lot about just yet. There are some guys, though, right above the your, your Carl Jones, your Rashad Williams, that are also going to figure into the mix. You mentioned Mo Osling Jr. If he's beaten out, by Stephen Blaylock for that other safety spot. You got a feeling that Mo Osling is still going to get some reps in there. He's going to be cycled into the game. He will continue to play some special teams. And then the interesting spot, I think, is going to be who's going to play the nickel. I think the favorite in-house would be Jay Shaw. He saw a little time there throughout the season. Redshirt sophomore now. Uh, lots of special teams action as well, but he seems the natural player to plug in there. He he and Nate Metter sort of flip back and forth between being the number three and four corner last year. And another guy to keep an eye on, redshirt freshman, uh, Elijah Gidry. Could be a factor at safety or maybe for that third corner spot as well. If there's an injury, he could be thrust into more playing time. And he was able to redshirt. He got in those four games but retained that year of eligibility uh, so those are three other guys sort of right outside our top four starters that are going to have big roles to play this season as well. Quickly back to Mo Osling, the third. Last year, 
only played in about 10 games, and we saw sort of his tackle numbers drop compared to maybe the way Jamora used him. But under Chip Kelly's regime, Osling has been very comfortable and very open about this coaching staff teaching him and using him in a series of different positions. He speaks about learning how to play corner, safety. You mentioned nickel, even linebacker, he says. At times early on in his career, he was more focused on being a corner. But according to to him, he, he really does prefer the nickel and the safety. But to have sort of a jack-of-all-trades with Mo Osling is always good when you're looking for depth. And we are no doubt going to see him as part of the picture um, for UCLA this season. We have a lot to get to this week. And one big story we are going to touch on later on this week. Josh Rosen is beginning to make a very stellar impact on the coaching staff with the Miami Dolphins. You might recall he got traded from the Cardinals to the Dolphins. He is in the midst of a quarterback competition with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But according to the Dolphins coaching staff, they are really pleased with the growth and the confidence and the throwing abilities of Josh Rosen. And so Nick and I, later on this week, we're going to talk about this. What are the chances that we see Josh Rosen start week one in the NFL this year? So that will be something to keep an eye on as we get into another week of fall camp. I want to thank you again for tuning in with us. You can catch all of us on social media. Nick Cope is at NKOOP. I'm at Brian Fenley. The show Twitter is Locked On Bruins. Subscribe. And whether you do that through Google or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we really appreciate your time. And Nick, we have got a lot to get to this week. So Bruin fans, get ready. Yeah, we also got to touch on real quick, I think. Uh, we got a... We got a, a send-in from Bruin Gold on Twitter as for the show motto. You know, habits reflect the Ooh. mission being the USA football team. I'm sure you saw this. What do we think of stay strong in Westwood? You know, that's a start. I think that's a start. What, what do you think, Nick? Because I love one of the mottos that Chip Kelly says where, where, his, where his players say it's about being obsessed with improvement. And... I just like those powerful words. And he also talks about, you know, how habits create the mission. But what do you think, Nick? I, th- I think saying stay strong in Westwood, I appreciate it. Part of me feels like there's just this slight undercurrent of like a negative connotation, you know, like there's all this. Yes. I feel like I feel like this is going to be a big year for for football and basketball, especially. So I, I, I feel like that that maybe doesn't quite fit for where we are right now but yeah i appreciate the sentiment nonetheless and um yeah i i'm, I'm open <laughs> yeah. to to, I, to more suggestions 
Yeah, Nick, I think that sounds like you said a more of like a backhanded jab, really, that maybe he was being a little facetious or something because, yeah, yeah I mean, it sounds like we're coping with something when we know that this team for football particularly is only going to go up. I mean, it has all of the indications and all of the signs that it's shooting north in the positive way so to say to stay strong it sounds like we're we're yeah, in the we're doldrums hanging on. here yeah yeah we're hanging on man but come on now this is not what ucla wants and this is not what they strive for this is a place where you go to any sport and you've got national championships all over the place so stay strong i mean maybe if if we're taking a D1 school that's never won anything, but you know this is the number two media market in the country in Los Angeles, and the number one school in Los Angeles. And yeah, I did say that, and yeah, I know there's another school, but I won't even mention their names because you know we won't go there. But yeah, well, I I like I like Strong, I like Westwood, so there there there's something there. Just need to keep working it. Plenty of time for others <laughs> to weigh in on what's going to be our show motto. Again, we are just day one of week two. So the players just had on Sunday their first day in pads. We, Nick and I, have our first day in pads tomorrow. So we're just getting used to this thing like the football players are. <laughs> and again... Twitter, catch us on there. N-K-O-O-P for Nick Cope. I'm at Brian Fenley, Locked On Bruins. Give us a follow. Drop us a line via email, LockedOnBruins at Gmail. Subscribe. Go Bruins, and we will continue to educate and inform with passion throughout the week. Stay tuned. This is Locked On Bruins.